A River to Cross, Chapter 34. God moves in mysterious ways, parenthesis, but God, in parenthesis. Quote, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. End quote. Exodus chapter 13, verse 18. God promised Abraham that he would make him into a great nation and give his people the promised land. Abraham's offsprings, the Israelites, were held captive in Egypt for more than 400 years, but God intervened and led, led them out by a most unusual route right through the middle of the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry ground. Through no one's fault but my own, I too was in bondage to alcohol. I was being held in a far country too, but God led me out. In the process of leading me out, we made a move to Macomb, Mississippi, to an old home in the historic district of the city, perfect for prudence. My thought was this move was for her and the house was intended to be a gift of love to her that would help affect healing for both of us. But God had plans I never imagined, and the move was likewise right on time for me as well. In Macomb, God opened doors for me to plant a church that gave birth to a new Alcoholics Anonymous group and meeting, a feeding ministry, a clothing ministry, a jail ministry, and a medical ministry. These ministries in Macomb were used by God to touch many lives and help many people get sober, stay sober, get saved, feed the hungry, heal the sick, visit and minister to people in jail, the end of what God accomplished there has yet to be seen. I had to go to Egypt in order to be delivered out of there and led back to a place of healing for me and many others. Cornerstone Church and the AA group that used the same facility both moved forward in positive ways. You might say they flourished in the sense that lives were being touched and hearts were being changed. At Cornerstone Church, we saw broken people walk in and become new creatures in Christ. We saw many positive and encouraging life changes take place. Without addressing specifics and obviously not addressing persons, the Cornerstone AA group was likewise quite productive. Over the next several years, both the church and the recovery group became a hub of activities, meeting the spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of many in the community. Cornerstone Church became a multicultural melting pot of people where the Word of God was spoken plainly, hearts were being touched spiritually, and practical physical needs were being met. Cornerstone Ministries branched into feeding people at a weekly soup kitchen, offering a free medical clinic and serving as a base for celebrate recovery for people on the streets and for people housed in the Pike County Jail. In addition, through the hard work of various people in the church, a clothing ministry was begun and successfully carried out for a period of several years. In my mind, and I pray in reality, the birth and carrying on of these ministries and offshoots were a reminder to me of God's promises that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. 
Romans 8.28. The mistakes I had made, as large as they were, were turned around by God to be used to touch a great number of lives through Cornerstone Church and the Cornerstone AA group. It is the grace of God alone that accomplished this, but God does use his people even when they are pulling back. I thank God for his grace. I can truly say his grace still amazes me. I was crossing the street towards Cornerstone in downtown Macomb when one of Pike County's elected officials stopped me for a chat. We talked for a few minutes, and he inquired into some of the activities of Cornerstone and the other things I was involved in. As he was about to walk off, he said, Lawyer, judge, pastor, and community activist, you have a wide sphere of influence. My response was, don't forget drunk, to add that to the description. That's me, a sober drunk, by the grace of God. God called me back to the pulpit at Ebenezer, the very place I stepped down from because of alcohol. When I got this call, I said, surely you do not want me because everyone will ridicule you for having a drunk for a preacher. They said, we are following God's lead and you should too. God did some really good things at Ebenezer over the next four years, but it all followed my fall from the promised land back into the bondage of Egypt. In the words of author Mark Batterson, you can't just never always sometimes tell what God is about to do. We must always be ready and willing to let God redirect our paths, our lives. We haven't yet seen who we shall be, and God has plans and resources we have never even thought of. Waypoint number five. As we sow, so shall we reap. Quote, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. For many years I had sown seeds that were destructive of my marriage covenant. In 2013, my crop failed, and so did my marriage. Let me be clear, marriages do not fail, people fail at marriage. This is not a book on marriage, and that is a good thing because it is a subject I have failed at two times. The marriage covenant is dear to God because marriage is created by God and because it represents the gospel. Quote, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the, wife, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body.
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. End quote. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Christ never ever lets us down, and this is one of the reasons God is so vigilant and protective of the marriage covenant. This is also why people failing at marriage have so profoundly impacted our world. The marriage relationship is foundational to the human fabric and the spiritual fabric of our world. I have no deeper regret than my failure to uphold the marriage covenant and so ended 36 years of marriage. Chapter 35 You Can't Get Here From There Quote, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. End quote. Psalm 139.16 The distance from the earth to the sun is estimated to be approximately 92,955,807 miles. Allowing a reasonable margin for error, that's still a very long way away. But as far as the earth is from the sun... The distance between where I had been and where I found myself on November 24, 2013, compared to August 7, 2008, seemed even farther than the distance between the earth and the sun. On that last November day, I was speaking to a joint service of several Methodist churches in my new home area of George County, Mississippi. I was asked to give my testimony, to tell where I have been and where I am today. My best efforts at explaining my story to the good people in that service were woefully inadequate at best. I think they must have looked at me as one who might have recently dropped to earth from that faraway star we call the sun. They looked at me blankly as I tried to explain how this apparently sane and fully dressed man standing before them was just a couple of years earlier deeply and totally lost in a fog of alcohol and a self-absorbed world beyond sight and sound. George County is home to me today. It's where my two churches lay, Antioch slightly north and Pine Grove south, near the church parsonage on a quiet and scenic state highway not far inland from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. On this cool, blustery November evening, my 28-month-old granddaughter Kylie McGee and I had driven over from the parsonage to Pleasant Hill United Methodist Church. We were there for me to share my story, and I guess Kylie was there only because at her age, life doesn't come with too many choices. For Kylie, choosing to be with Papa, as I am known to her, is a matter of joyful necessity. How it ha- had I made the immeasurable trip from death to life, from deep alcoholism to a stable, focused life? How does that happen? The truth is, it doesn't happen, 
he happens. It was only God's grace and divine and miraculous hand that brought me from a life built around a drinking plan to a life where someone might possibly be interested in knowing about how I had made the trip to this new land. The bishop and the cabinet of the Methodist Conference of the United Methodist Church had assigned me to serve Antioch and Pine Grove United Methodist Churches, which shared a pastor and is known as the Mentorum Charge in George and Jackson Counties, Mississippi. I never asked my new church family if they had advance warning of the baggage their pastor was bringing with him. I arrived on a motorcycle on the afternoon of June 18, 2013, when I turned off of Highway Mississippi Highway 57 into the Parsonage driveway, the first few bars of Amazing Grace came blaring from the speakers of my bike. It seemed to be a sign of God's presence and His continued extreme graciousness in my life. When I met with the leaders of the two churches in what is known as a covenant meeting, I broke the news to them. I told them that I was an alcoholic in recovery. I was about to be divorced. My family had not come with me, and I had experienced significant health issues over the last several years. In short, I warned them that they were getting damaged goods, but they should be encouraged. Surely the bottom of the barrel had already been fully explored and brighter days must hopefully lie ahead. The level and sweetness of grace and mercy extended to me through these wonderful newly discovered brothers and sisters of the faith surprised even me. George County is divided in more ways than one by the dark, clear waters of the Pascagoula River, known for many years as the Singing River. This storied river is flanked by the Pascagoula River Swamp, a myriad of small lakes, ponds, cypress swamps, and sloughs. In addition to the Singing River, our small in stature, large in love churches are bordered by two wildly beautiful creeks, Red Creek and Black Creek. When I look out the front window of my house, I see a setting suitable for a postcard, which is the farm and fields of Albert and Marie Reeves, two of the congregants I now have the opportunity to serve. God doesn't do anything in part. He has truly blessed me with a healing of body, soul, and spirit and placed me in a veritable garden. In fact, the area is widely known for producing watermelons, vegetables, and nursery plants of the highest quality. In a relatively short time, God brought a transformation that is God-sized and surprises none more than it does me. From the deepest of darkness, God has taken me from not walking to running races even. He has restored me from handcuffed to the bench in the jail to being free to come and go as I minister to others who are not enjoying such liberties. I have moved from standing in front of the bench to sitting upon it once again. In fact, today I am dispatched around the state regularly and extensively in service of the Supreme Court when other judges aren't able to hear cases due to health or recusal. 
In fact, one justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court said upon our being introduced, I know who you are. We are you are the judge we appoint when no one else will do. Whether that is accurate or not, the change from being handcuffed and tased to being one of the go-to people the Supreme Court looks to in difficult matters is a job only God can accomplish. In speaking to this Sunday evening gathering, I am seeking to push myself and them to see the urgency of God's call on our lives. God has not saved us to a place of some small comfort. No, as Carl Barth has said, to be saved does not mean to be a little encouraged, a little comforted, a little relieved. It means to be pulled like a log from a burning fire. Today, I want to live my life and approach service with a sense of urgency and an awareness of God's call upon us all to live radically different lives from those around us. I'm not speaking of those in the world. I mean radically different from what some have called the Christian version of the American dream, the modern-day church. In short, God has called me and all whom he has pulled like a log from burning fire to live as he wants us to live, to go where he wants us to go, to speak and yield and give ourselves in a way that is radically different from the American dream version of Christianity, to so posture ourselves that we can be spent in service to God. Thanks be to God that we are not limited to our short-sighted view of our lives and how we fit into the world around us. God has plans of which we know nothing. Thanks be to God.